Good morning. So today is Thursday, January 21, and uh, there's some weed-whacking machinery operative in the background, so you may hear it, but it's close to the end of the line. Um, the jungle floor has been trimmed for, for the next few months. So today is uh, continuing reading Chittakash Gita, part 42. And um, I will do a new approach today, as I signaled last time. The, this happens to be uh, coincidental with the beginning of part two of the book, which is Chittakash Gita, Voice of the Self from M.P. Pandit. And I think it's a really fine translation. And part two starts on page 69 of the PDF, goes to page 77. <clears throat> Today what I'm going to do is read the entirety of part two, pages 69 to 77, and um, see where the time is, and do some very brief commentary uh, on some of the verses, which uh, in this case are getting, we're, we're in the long, uh, long utterance sections now of the book. And... <clears throat> After part two, there's a part three that starts on page 81 of the PDF and ends on page 103 of the PDF on the numbered version, the, the versions that number the verses. Uh, that goes to something like 200, verse 280. And these are long verses, and um, many different points are made. Some of them are longer than a single page here, actually. <clears throat> and what you'll see as I read through is that he changes tack or direction or, th or um, topic um, midway through many of the verses. Um, not unrelated, but um, tangential and kind of a little bit off to the side. And uh, some of them I found more valuable than others for my own learning. Uh, and that's where I'll be doing more commentary. And then... <clears throat> depending on how much time is left, uh, I'll speak on some of those critical verses. Next week and in the future, I may follow the same approach, uh, letting, uh, putting, putting the text, the reading of the text first, and choosing to cover a certain length, um, maybe from 81 to 103, part 3 of the book, Next time, uh, I'll break that into three, and so seven, 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 something like that, uh, of the number of pages per class. And so we may end this class soon, uh, <clears throat> because I'm uh, attempting to cover ground more than do commentary. And you know, his text, his verse, his words, the verses, the text is much more. Uh, potent than my commentary because this comes from him and um, obviously his power comes through the words and some of them are, are extremely uh, important and revealing um, some things that haven't been said in previous verses explaining aspects of cosmology or the total self very very interesting actually so let's begin page 63 Nine uh, begins part two, M. P. Pandit's book, Voice of the Self, uh, verses of Chittakash Gita from Nityananda. And so, the first verse begins on sixty-nine. Sound arises in the sky. What manifests in the sky is life power. The sky is the head. It is the sky in the heart. The life power is the one above, capital O. The life power is the one above. As there is only a slight difference between a rivulet and the sea, so it is between the jivatman and the paramatman. There is only an intervening partition in the middle. Do not keep the egoic or egotistic idea of I and mine. That is the cause of the next birth. He who thinks constantly of I and mine is of little intelligence. 
That is the reason for taking a lower birth. The luminous power of the sun appears in the gaslight, meaning a lamp. For those, excuse me, the luminous power of the sun appears in the gaslight. For those who have no distinction between day and night, the gaslight is greater. And for those who have the distinction, the sun is undoubtedly greater. It is their faith that is important. There is no God greater than faith. On earth, there is nothing greater than faith. Unless one believes in them, black magic and tricks cannot affect. One enjoys only that in which he has faith. The inner faith shall be concentrated in the course of the breath. Without faith, there can be no thought. For such, there are no sadhus and sannyasis. To them, thousands of sadhus are merged in them. And I think the them is uh, those that have inner faith, have con- that have concentrated that in the course of the breath or the prana. Uh, for them, thousands of sadhus are merged. Next verse, bottom page 69, Nityananda said, To the blind of eye, there is no distinction between day and night. Eternal light is not needed. To the blind, the organs of awareness, or knowledge, are the main. The bodily form is of no use. As the physical eye cannot see, their knowledge must be greater. The blind cannot say what the carriage is like by feeling it with touch. Next verse. Does sound arise from the universe, or the universe from sound? Effect from cause, or cause from effect? From the sound is the universe produced. From sound arise form and creation of forms. By cause is generated the effect, but whence the cause? Both the cause and effect arise in the self, capital S. Cause and effect are to be the servitors of oneself. They are from the self. Cause and effect merge in oneself. The maya, illusion or falsehood, that arises in oneself is to merge, or means should be merged in that self. A lie is a lie, If you believe in a lie, you have to speak the lie. But if you believe the truth, you tell the truth. To them who speak lies, there is no such thing as truth, no falsehood separate from them. It is one with them. What is the cause of falsehood? They are so much accustomed to it that it does not appear to be falsehood to them. There is no such distinct thing as falsehood to them. If they know it to be bad, they would not be prone to it. Then they would feel that there is a distinct thing as truth. From that moment, they attain the good and take to the right path. Next verse, bottom page 69. As all rivers ultimately merge in the sea, all evil and all good merges in the one self, capital O and capital S. All is oblation, which is an offering, to the self. Meaning, all all of these references to self is a capital S, meaning the jivatman, paramatman. All is oblation, offering, to the self. Good and evil arise out of the self. What has come down from the self goes back into the same self. Mind is the real cause of good and bad action. Mind is the power of the self. That can be neither increased nor decreased by anyone. What is to happen happens, and that all, and that all in the same manner. Next verse. The seed does not come from the tree, but the seed is the origin. A seed falls from a tree that seed sprouts into a small plant which grows into a tree. Again and again, they grow from the same seed. Likewise is the creation. 
In the seed lies the beginning, but no end. Wherever one sees, it is the same seed. To be free from doubt is the way for concentration of the mind. The intelligence of a man with doubt dwindles. There is doubt wherever he turns. Each one has his own nature. There is no reason to find what is not in his nature. One cannot see his reflection in a water that shakes, but in a water that is steady his form is seen well. So also those without a steady mind are not aware of their defects. But to those with steady mind everything appears steady and in the self. They perceive that others are like themselves. Through red glasses all is seen red, not green. Each sees what he thinks. Next verse, which I think is one of the critical verses uh, in this uh, part two, bottom page 71. Why do you hold the umbrella? To prevent rain from touching you. The rain is maya, illusion or falsehood. The umbrella is truth, sat. The mind is the handle. There is truth, and I think again it's sat. There is truth in everything, but very few live in the truth, because it's capital T. The maya belongs to the Atman, but not Atman to the maya. The prime minister is of the king. The prime minister is not the king. Mind is not the Atman. It is the reflection of the Atman. Mind is two grades below the Atman. The mind has no end, or sorry, the mind has an end, not so the Atman. Mind is deluded in many objects. Atman is not subject to the gunas, the, the qualities and the properties of form and matter and energy and creation. All the gunas apply to the mind. Mind is a fragment of the Atman, like the water in a rivulet. The Atman is like the sea. There is neither depth nor end to its water. Similarly, there is neither end nor limit to the Atman. Whence is the Atman born and whence come? Wherever you turn, it is there. Nothing else is seen. Creation is there before you and after you. Even before you were born, there has been creation, only you have not been aware. As the life force moves outward, there derives desire for many objects. So born there ensues the mind, the double, the triple, the sixfold gunas, and thus the world in creation. All other gunas rose thence, once born, the organs of knowledge are the most needed for man. The organs of action may be said to relate to the earth, and the organs of knowledge to the grosser akasha, the grosser sky, like chitakash, the grosser akasha. That is called chid guna versus chid akash. The organs of action are said to belong to the sat guna, truth property, truth element. He is a man who conquers the senses. For him there is fulfillment on his own. Think of that. Behind the many minds there is one mind. Capital M. That one mind is also the mind, small m, mind of others. And that mind is the eternal mind. Eternal mind is the supreme bliss. Ananda. The subtle mind of chit is the heart sky. Pure mind is the pure sky, and the pure sky is the city, fulfillment. That is yoga, that is the heart. Fulfillment ensues only when you proceed in the pure skies. It is there that the seer of duality, you and I, disappears. In the pure skies is the way of right living. Mukti, Bhakti, and Shakti. The pure sky is within the Buddhi. When the being dwells in the pure sky, all sense attachments are burnt away. The pure sky is the Brahmarandra, seventh chakra. Raja Yoga is above the neck, 
Varnarandra is above the neck. Next verse, top of page 73. Mantra is Brahmarandra. Mantra is the minister of prana. And this minister of prana is Atma Bindu, meaning Atman seed or drop. The eternal mantra of prana is within oneself. There is Chit, the consciousness sky. There is, or that is, the supreme bliss, the supreme medicine. The supreme medicine is the supreme guru, that thou art. Next verse. Why is one called a man? As he thinks, and the Sanskrit is manana, as he thinks, one becomes a man. Ignorance of the path of sadhana, practice, causes repeated births. There is no contentment without knowing the path of sadhana. To know it is to be content, and that contentment is desirelessness, and desirelessness is truly mukti, meaning liberation. Supreme happiness. Desire is hell. Absence of desire is the higher state, and that state is Shiva Shakti. And Shiva Shakti is the experience of the here and the beyond. Next verse. The Atman is not perceived by the senses. The Atman is distinct beyond the sense perception. Atman is perceived by the organs of knowledge. It is a part separate from the body idea. He is a yogi who knows the nature and law of the senses and lives in the light of that knowledge. Such a one is the true Sat Purush. What he speaks is the word of the Veda. He is like the seed of tamarind. The tamarind sticks to the palm, but the seed is immaculate. The heart of a Satpurush is like that. He is young, eternally young. Yana knows no age. Top of page 74, next verse. Fill the lamp with oil and light the wick. As the oil decreases, the wick goes under and the light dwindles. If the oil is poured again in and the wick set, the light shines again. Similar is the inner condition of the yanin. His inner condition is like butter placed in water. It does not sink but floats above the water. The body is like the water and the soul like butter. The subtle intelligence, buddhi, must be placed in the head. That buddhi should be at the top of the sushumna, the central channel up the spine. Both the mind and buddhi should be in the head. Mind in the head, mind in the buddhi, and buddhi in the mind. Discrimination, discernment, is from buddhi and from discrimination, the union of the jiva with the self. Next verse. From one coconut, many are the coconuts produced. But if you cut at the trunk of the coconut tree, no fruits come forth. Attachment is the trunk which is to be surrendered by buddhi. Then alone arises peace, the gunas of the good, of sattva, of peace, Steadiness of buddhi is sattva guna, the sattva, sattvic guna. The words of the holy are like letters engraved on a stone. The words of the ordinary men are like letters on a slab of chalk. Next verse. All the water should be drained from the well once all, all, all the water should be drained from the well once and all the mud inside removed. The water that flows afterwards is pure. The pure water is yana, gnosis, realization. Once you burn up the sense of I and mine, true knowledge of all things will be attained. Next verse. A man who has learned to write on paper does not have to scribble on the floor. 
One who has attained the nirguna state without the gunas does not descend to the secondary sakuna. Can buttermilk be converted back into milk? Next verse, uh, beginning 75. Why should those who have come to purchase milk inquire about the price of the cow? Why should a seeker after the self concern himself with the body? The bodily condition of the seeker after the self is like the dry coconut. Once burnt, a rope cannot be used again for tying. No man can do harm to another. Each does it himself by his thoughts. When we say another, quote, another, it has a subtler meaning. The boat must be pushed by hand in order to move. So also there must be a guru to initiate. Once the bank is reached, help from the boatman is not required any more. How does the boat float in the water? Similarly, the self is in the body. There is mud in the feet. To wash it off, to wash it off, you must go to a place where there is water. But if you are afraid to touch the water, the mud cannot be removed. One hand alone cannot produce sound. When both the hands come together, you become aware of the one force. Though all fingers are not identical, they become one when you take food. So when there is the experience of, I think he means of yana, it is one. Devotion for the guru is like the cry of the jackal. All sadhus and satpurushas are alike. All water in a well is of one kind, not more. The life force is of the same kind in all, mobile and immobile, so also the sun and the moon, the self in the sky and the skies in the self are one. They who realize this one sing in ecstasy. They know the kundalini of ananda. They discover the kundalini shakti, awaken it, and join with it. By repeated energizing should bhakti and mukti be attained. Conquering bhakti again is devotion. Conquering birth and death, forget all. Conquer death and its brood, meaning uh, kinsmen or family. Know the nature of maya. Know also what is nityananda, eternal bliss. O mind, become one with the nityananda. O mind, attain the nityananda. O mind, drink of the brahman in the head. In the head, the world must be one with the self. Blessed in the head, one is blessed also in birth and its issues. Attain to the self in the head. All the three states of Sushupti, Jagrat, and Swapna must be together in one state. Keep the key of Buddhi ready in hand. As one is careful about the key, so keep the buddhi with care in the head. As long as it is kept over as long as it is kept on the oven, water is hot. It gets cold when placed on the ground. Buddhi should be like water on the oven. So too should faith be always awake. The jiva is like a calf confined in a room. It is ever expectant of its release. The jiva is ever eager for the moment of its attainment of the ambrosial yana. And yet jiva as soul, yana again as realization. Uh, bottom page 76. Dharana is the means for buddhi to develop its power of understanding. Dharana, and uh, the word dharana has a few meanings, but it could be uh, from... Uh, Wisdom Library, Sanskrit word referring to your thoughts. And also, I didn't know that, one of the eight branches of yoga, Ashtanga yoga, dharana, contemplation. And so, contemplation yoga. Um, similar, um, similar to yana yoga, I would believe. Contemplation. Not, not the same as raja yoga, but dharana, similar to yana yoga. Dharana yoga, similar to yana yoga.
contemplation, um, using mind to attain mukti. Dharana is the means for buddhi to develop its power of understanding. Dharana is a path to mukti. Dharana is a road to go up. Dharana is a means to steady the prana. If the prana vayu, prana energy, vayu, wind, prana wind, gets steady, the mind becomes steady. As the course of prana vayu is steadied in the upward direction, yana enters into nerve, I think he means nadi, and nerve and peace fills. Then stand distinct and separate the natural and the subtle. Then does buddhi experience the yoga power, peace, tranquility, contentment. He who practices this dharana of pranavayu finds the whole world within himself. One-minded, one can be eternally liberated. The Atman transcends all action and regulation. Work done without desire for fruits may be called the path of karma, action, actually karma yoga. There is no sin if one does not have the feeling of doing, quote, doing the work when it is performed. True karma is what is done without knowledge from within. And that's karma with a capital K. So, uh, to repeat, work done without desire for fruits may be called the path of karma, or action, and that's capital K. There is no sin if one does not have the feeling of, quote, doing the work when it is performed. True karma, capital K, is what is done without knowledge from within. And 77, page 77, verse, the last one of part two. The Atman is not perceived by the physical eye. It is perceptible to the buddhi. It does not come under the category of forms and qualities. Peace is difficult to attain for those whose mind is centered on the body. It is very difficult for them to see the glory of the Atman. Attention should lessen or reduce on what is seen. Interest must grow in what is unseen. In the seen, both pleasure and pain are perceived, but in the unseen, neither. Thus ends part two. Some sort of very heavy metaphysical teachings there, I think. And so, let's see where the time is. All right. So in the next half hour or so, I'll just uh, reverse and um, do some commentary on those verses. Um, and let's go from the last to the first, or work our way backwards. So, uh, important points. Atman, obviously not perceived by physical eye, it's immaterial. But it is perceptible to buddhi. So buddhi is, again, the higher function of mind that perceives non-duality, that is a non-dual seeing, associated with knowing, intuition, uh, realization, vipassana, I'd say, insight, uh, non-linear uh, appreh- apprehension. Uh, and and it's, it's perceptible to buddhi, the atman, but that doesn't mean it's a form or quality. So it's perceptible to higher mind, um, uh, subtle discrimination, subtle intelligence, uh, subtle discernment. Not a thinking process. <laughs> it may come to, it may inform the thinking process, but it seems to me monastic function of mind, the lower, is a thinking thought form producing process, like samskara while buddhi is closer to consciousness itself. And so that may be, you know, what's the relationship between buddhi and vijnana? Well, you can say that in what we call mind, <clears throat> there could be called a lower and a higher called manas and uh, buddhi, or manasic function and buddhic buddhi function. Linear thought form of this world, dualism, self, identity, maya, matter, uh, are perceived uh, by monastic function. Buddhi perceives non-duality, um, the immaterial, the multidimensional, 
It's also the third eye. So <clears throat> you can say that uh, buddhi is a fifth and sixth ray um, unified, or a high coordination of fifth ray, sixth ray. Maybe it's not even much fifth ray at all. It's mainly sixth ray, sixth chakra, um, which is very much associated with pure consciousness or awareness. Uh, <clears throat> but there is the capacity for perception. So buddhi, this higher function of mind, um, intuitive apprehension, let's say, <clears throat> or subtle discrimination, subtle discernment, uh, <clears throat> can perceive Atman, but it's not perceiving form or quality. So Atman is without form or quality. Atman, similar to Ra saying, we've become light. So Ra, late sixth density, says we've become light. We no longer seek light. They still have identity. That's not been given up yet, only when they go to seven. So they're not finished with the path, of course. Neither is Atman. Atman has yet to join Paramatman. Only a thin membrane or layer exists between them, and that's called the the boundary of this and uh, the next octave. The boundary between seventh and eighth density. That's the membrane or the <clears throat> apparent separative wall or boundary or curtain between uh, Jivatman uh, in late sixth density or the jiva that's become one with Atman, late sixth density, and Paramatman, or the Logoic, in eight. So, the higher function of mind, buddhi, perceives Atman, but it's not perceiving a form or quality. It's perceiving undifferentiated light, non-dual, effulgent, the word again, like talking yesterday about Yeshua, transfiguration, the Tabor light on Mount Tabor, transfiguration experience, as an experience of apotheosis, being divinizing, deifying. And so contact with intelligent infinity, uh, contact with higher self, they're different, uh, but they're similar, (laughs) and they are associated with effulgent light and joy and bliss. And the buddhi apprehending, uh, uh, perceiving, apprehending as a way of mental apprehension. Uh, Atman is not seeing a form or quality and may not necessarily be seeing light either, like, you know, everywhere you look. I mean, see, I'm not there, right? So what can I say? Maybe when Nityananda looks around, like Lucy in Lucy, <laughs> the character Lucy in the movie Lucy, uh, when higher uh, chakras are activated by greater portions of brain brain tissue, brain neural circuitry switched on activated, as in the movie Lucy uh, she sees energy lines in the air she sees not, you know, uh, etheric pathways through the trees she can see electromagnetic fields around her um, that's just one level of clairvoyance not fully enlightened but that's on its way and so maybe Nityananda or one who has this full perception of Atman by Buddhi, the full perception of Atman, knowing Atman fully, which is occurring by the mind function of Buddhi, not perceiving a form or quality, perceiving its light, perceiving light. And so light is everywhere and um, uh, is not formal, it's not of a form, and its only qualification is that it's bright, not dark. That's it. Uh, but uh, that's an interesting ex- explanation, I think. Um, and and again and again, he talks about I mine, I me mine, and uh, the sense of possession and identity. Uh, identity is I, and possession is mine. So I, the thoughts of I and mine are thoughts of identity and possession. Possession meaning what, I'm, what I own or possess. Uh, and that's all associated with mind centered on the body and the monastic function and being attached to forms and qualities. And that's where you get your gunas. And that's all maya. And that's the dual or the illusory um, cover 
of uh, the real. And so for those centered on body, which is centered on body, mind, identity, and uh, the sense of ownership and possession. For those whose mind centered on that, on body, on body, mind, on I, me, mine, it's very difficult for them to see the glory of Atman, difficult to attain peace. And so people want, want to <laughs> contact higher self. I want to contact my higher self. Well, uh, one's mind should not be centered on the body. One should be um, increasingly free of doubt. One obviously needs practice. <laughs> One would need silence of mind in a steady state or some degree of concentration to be able to see the glory of Atman, to be in touch with Atman, of course. Uh, but one can throw oneself or surrender the grasping tendencies in mind in practice. In practice, you know, throw yourself into concentration on the object of concentration. <clears throat> if it's breath meditation or labeling breath or mantra or whatever, throw all attention without being wild um, or pushy with yourself or aggressive or hostile, uh, focus intently and return focus um, repeatedly again and again to simply the object of concentration, like the sensation of breath coming going from nostrils or, or nose region, nasal region. <clears throat> That's everything. I don't care how I feel. It's very hard to get to that point. I don't care what I, I don't care how I feel. I don't care what I think. I don't care what things I have to do later. I don't care what I'm missing by doing this and not doing something else. I don't care about all that. Let me give myself to this attention, to the breath, to the sensation of the natural breath, in in breath, out breath for the next, you know, period for this period, the entirety of the period of meditation. That's it. When one does that kind of surrendering of the I, me, mine, grasping, um, <clears throat> desire, you know, grasp, a craving-based grasping and aversion, craving, clinging-based desirousness to keep thinking and imagining or rejecting thinking and feeling. So dropping that, I don't care about this mind. I don't care about the things that I'm not doing or will have to do later. I don't care about these memories and these thoughts and these feelings. I don't care. For now. I can think about it and care about it later, okay? So I'll drop it now. I mean, very few people can even do that. <laughs> but I think something like that is needed. Um, a willingness to drop the um, endeavor of personality. <laughs> the world of personality. That's how awakening happens. <laughs> that's how you get contact with the higher self. Or that's how one can really go to samadhi. And so that's associated with a, a changed life focus. A changed life focus, like he says, attention lessening on, the, on what's seen, uh, interest must grow in, the what, in what is unseen. So uh, valuing the immaterial, the spiritual, the transcendental, the eternal, the multidimensional, valuing all that increasingly. Um, he's not saying drop the world because he said do your danda. Right? So he's not saying run away from your obligations or family now. Come follow me. No. He said do your danda. <clears throat> uh, live in the world. Do your life. Take care of your rightful obligations and responsibilities. But if you really have the seed, the atma bindu of bhakti and faith, then there's a longing um, for reunion or release, liberation. Uh, a, a longing for the bliss that never ends, for the end of struggle. And that longing <clears throat> will naturally lead to, gradually over time, attention and focus lessening on the scene and increasing in the or upon the unseen. So he said, in the scene, this is all monastic function and the worldly and mind-body, <clears throat> in the scene, both pleasure and pain are perceived, but in the unseen, neither. Meaning, in the unseen, in the immaterial, in the non-dual, one doesn't deal with pleasure and pain. One doesn't deal with good and bad karma. 
Wasn't, uh, one doesn't deal with hope and fear. One doesn't deal with desire and aversion, self and other, right? Past, present, future. Dual, dualism, polarity, complexity, distortion, um, specific orientation even, is all um, dispensed with or surrendered. It's gone. In a um, great uh, and unbroken awareness of um, the one life or the one self. And again, you know, I don't know how much understanding or awakening I have, so I can't say, I can tell you what this is all. I know all this. I'm not. How can I? I'm not him. <clears throat> I have some taste of something or other. <laughs> it could be called non-dual or um, of the boundless. Um, but, you know, I can't tell you what he's saying directly because I don't have his attainment. But uh, we can see association to all sorts of other teachings like uh, the eight worldly winds which feature prominently pleasure and pain. Um, and all of them are associated with I and mine, I, me, mine, meaning identity and the sense of ownership. Uh, all that is gone. In the unseen, in the Atman, in the non-dual, in as a result of Vairagya, um, uh, which is uh, comes out of longing, which is true bhakti, with faith that it can be uh, consummated, the, the object of my desire, my spiritual desire in this case, the, the goal of my longing, my seeking being mukti or attainment or freedom, is possible. For sure. And that's one of the purposes of guru or great teaching, looking at great teaching and, and a real guru, is to see human potential, to see what's possible for little old me, who's not nothing like that. And, um, you know, a little candle compared to the sun. And so uh, <clears throat> a vision of, of the goal is, is given by the presence of a true guru or anyone who's an enlightened or, you know, particularly any of the four stages in Buddhism, we would say, even a Sotapanna. And there's a big difference. Uh, PureDhamma.net talked about this. The, there's a big difference in the potency of teaching from a Sotapanna and above and one who's not. And so, as far as I can tell, there, I could recognize certain Theravadins and, and other tradition teachers, generally from the East, but a couple of Westerners, who seem to have achieved Sotapanna and or beyond, uh, they know what they're talking about. <laughs> like Nityananda knows what he's talking about. So, um, uh, not every teacher teaching the same material um, has the same attainment or understanding of the material, of course. So, but I have no <laughs> attainment like Nityananda. So, but it is very interesting that. Um, He's, he's spelling out some of the, the metaphysics uh, behind the verses, actually, in the verses, some of the deeper metaphysics. So, buddhi perceives, buddhi can perceive Atman. Uh, manas cannot. The manasic function, the thought form function, the dualistic mental functioning of knowledge, not wisdom, or... What Ra would call transient information, facts and figures here and there, forms and qualities. The monastic function de determines and works with forms and quality. Above forms and quality, we have the non-dual, like Atman, which is perceived by buddhi. And um, for those people who are fully centered in, uh, on body, uh, you see people who are self-centered... Or, or when we're stuck in, in, in the little self or the dualistic identity and possessions and ownership, obviously that's monastic function, uh, the, the minister um, overruling the king. <laughs> While the king should be buddhi and the minister, manas, uh, the minister may uh, be tricking the king or uh, incapacitating him temporarily. And yet that monastic function, uh, when it 
overrides the buddhic, which it does for everybody who's reincarnating in third density. And, and for us too, wanderers who are not from third density, while we're here or when we're distorted, which we are to some degree, um, then we're stuck in the world of forms and qualities and pleasure and pain. Identity and possession and gain and loss. The worldly wins. And uh, there's more dukkha than sukkha. And outside that is greater sukkha. And eventually freedom from any polarity of dukkha and sukkha or uh, positive and negative uh, qualities of experience. So, then... Uh, previous statement, previous verse about dharana. So dharana, dharani, I used to think was like a like a mantra. Maybe it's used that way, but here we're talking about contemplation. And contemplation is it. I mean, aham vichar taught by Ramana Maharshi. Aham vichar is aham self vichar vichara inquiry. Self inquiry taught by Ramana Maharshi. Um, Nityananda said something like, is that one over there any different than this one here? <laughs> to some students from Ramana who came to him to say, you know, should we enlist with you? He said something like, is, this, is that old man different than this one here? <laughs> sort of affirming that Ramana um, was in Mukti and you don't need to talk to me. Uh, you get everything you need from him. But Ahamvachar as a as potentially um, an example of the practice of dharana yoga. Dharana yoga seems to be like yana yoga, contemplation yoga, the, the path to mukti driven by, book, by bhakti faith and uh, bhakti devotion and faith. Bhakti also, you know, bhakti may be translated as faith here. I'm not sure. I'm not sure if he, I have to look at some of the verses, but what we call faith is a sense that what the teachers say can be, indeed can be. The path and the goal that they speak, that they seem to embody and have lived, um, is true. Uh, I don't know, because I haven't attained it, but I have faith or some trust or some sense. Indeed it is, as they say it is, the path and the goal. And they are what they say they are. In, interestingly, in Buddhism, that's considered one of the three fetters broken at Sotapanna awakening, first level, which is uh, doubt in Buddha Dhamma Sangha. Here it would be uh, doubt in the guru and the sadhana, the practice offered, and mukti or the goal. Uh, but uh, what what is a little interesting there is that um, unshakable faith or the destruction of doubt a real destruction of doubt doubt's really destroyed uh, smashed um, only happens after a certain attainment uh, everybody's faking it till they make it uh, and the make it is ultimately some kind of awakening, non-dual enlightenment experience a first pass, not the end a first pass a taste of the deathless, or contact with intelligent infinity, or um, awakening to satchit um, beyond Maya, and real, real satchit, you know, truth, awareness, um, real living in uh, awareness of reality, uh, a moment of mukti, you can say, seems to be necessary for the full destruction of doubt, and therefore a full bodied, robust faith. And everybody else has to admit, without the attainment, they would need, we would need, people would need to admit, um, i still not sure. Or I believe it, but yeah, sure, I have some doubts. Sure, sure, I have some doubts. That's not a crime, that's not bad, that's normal. So without uh, some first pass attainment, uh, whether it's Sotapanna or contact with intelligent trinity or non-duality or unity or bliss or um, experience of even a higher jhana um, that um, breaks something, some illusion in mind. Uh, without that, there'll still be some doubt and faith will be um, perfect faith impossible. 
without some uh, a breakthrough uh, Satori, you know, gnosis experience. So, okay. So then admit, I have some doubt, meaning I have some lack of faith, if that's the case. But um, Dharana contemplation as a path to mukti, a road to go up, a means. And so this is very interesting. The, the, the mechanics by which Dharana is a yoga, by which Dharana is a yoga, is one of the Ashtanga Yoga, eight limbs or li- lineages or lines up the mountaintop to mukti. Why? Because it's a means, or what it does is steadies prana. This is, <laughs> you could have a lot of teachers who teach yana yoga and ashtanga yoga. Ashtanga yoga doesn't mean hatha yoga. Hatha is one of the eight. Raja yoga, pranayama yoga, like kundalini yoga, karma yoga. These are some of the other yogas of the ashtanga grouping of eight yogas, or Praxis, uh, forms of praxis, practice, technique, um, basic um, currents or streams of practice with certain techniques. And then there are many particular techniques and practices within that, within that particular yoga line, like Hatha Yoga has many <laughs> practices. Same with Raja, same with Karma, same with Pranayama, even though I don't know if that's considered one of the eight. There are dozens, gazillions of techniques within the stream of one of, of each of those eight forms. So dhanana too. But what it does when there's um, when there's focused concentration in that may include some thought, it steadies prana, and that steadying of prana is the steady getting making prana vayu steady, just like pranayama can steady the prana by control of the vayu. Uh, Anapanasati, in-breath, out-breath, mindfulness, Buddhist practice, um, will also steady prana by steadying the vayu, by um, surrendering control of the breathing process, meaning the breath becomes very slow and very deep or very light or quite subtle. That stills the body or stills the vayu that stilling of the vayu is steadying the prana that steadying of the prana leads to the mind becoming steady that steadying of the mind becoming becoming steady or steadying of the mind becoming steady um, allows the the shiva shakti union or a greater uprush uh, up uh, upward spiraling light of kundalini from the root to the crown boom so the upward spiraling light goes up more fully and spirals more uh, purely or with less damage or distortion. When the mind is steady, when the prana is steady, when the vayu or the winds and the airs and the breath and the body is um, calmed. And that can be done by any of those, the many techniques in each of the eight limbs of yoga. And I don't mean only hatha. I mean any of them, including raja yoga or karma yoga or dhanana, yana yoga. Steadying the prana, uh, steadying pranavayu, the wind, chi, winds, energy, the different levels of energy circulation in the nadis. Because it's, it's not that simple. It's not as material. It's not material as air or nerve impulse it's much more it's more subtle than that there there are layers to it uh, when the, when that gets steady mind is steady when mind is steady then there's a more thorough upward spiraling of the light called intelligent energy or prana or kundalini from root to crown which is shiva shakti union Babu. so in the course he says as the course of prana vayu is steadied in upward direction yana enters nerve and nerve and peace fills. <laughs> uh, so one goes to peace or peace or, you know, <laughs> samatha, some tranquility, upeka, equanimity, samadhi, calm abiding. That happens naturally because of the steadying of mind and pranavayu. <clears throat> That's a very nice metaphysical um, analysis, I think. 
So Yana enters to the nerve. <laughs> Yana meaning gnosis. So does that mean what realization is in your in your nadis? Nerve means nadi, I think. Your nerve was translated from nadi. The word Sanskrit word nadi channel. So um, yana <laughs> gnosis. So that's why he's talking about yana when we're talking about dharana as a path because it's probably the same or quite comparable to yana yoga, contemplation or um, awakening in insight, <laughs> insight meditation, insight yoga or contemplation and um, inquiry yoga, maybe. Contemplation yoga um, allows the fruit, which is uh, no, some realization of the non-dual, obviously, or um, the nature of higher self or peace or the formless. Um, that, that is then... It, he's, and not, yana enters into nerve. Yana, yana enters into nadi. <laughs> and naughty and peace fills something like uh, the pranavayu is so steadied and the mind quiet and peaceful too that then um, qualities of 6th and 7th chakra pervade the nadis, the energetics of the higher chakras right the highest frequencies of the spectrum of seven colors Indigo and violet, or blue, indigo, violet, six chakras, five, six, seven, but particularly six, seven, <clears throat> are then uh, coursing through the nadis. And that equals peace with a capital P. And um, he said, then stand distinct and separate the natural and the subtle. Then stand distinct, meaning then appears distinctly to that uh, yani. Um, the distinction between natural and subtle, meaning the gross and the subtle, or the physical and the immaterial. Material, immaterial, physical, metaphysical, dual, non-dual, many and one. Uh, It's seen and it's known simultaneously. I see many and I know it's one. Now, I have some sense of that. (laughs) Some people do. But I can't see energy lines uh, flying through the air or colors and things like that. But I it, but it is very, you know, what I know is yeah, I see many, clearly, many things, forms and qualities. And um yeah, I know it's all one. It's all um, you know, pulsing pulsing uh light. So, but that's not <laughs> final awakening at all. So, then he says then does buddhi experience yoga power, peace, tranquility, contentment, right? So these are Shanti, uh, Samatha, uh, contentment. And uh, at a certain point, he's talking about contentment and desirelessness. And that's what's happening. The more Samadhi, the more contentment, the more contentment, the less desire. The more, the, the more peace, the less desire, the more contentment as is. You see, when the mind becomes steady, desire doesn't arise. And he... Uh, he said uh, the classic line desire is hell Mm. and that's uh, one of the three poisons or unwholesome roots in the classical Buddhist teaching that leads beings to rebirth in hell is desire now there's different levels of desire right? there's craving and clinging as root desire and then there's how it comes out is what's called grasping like the three unwholesome roots have roots themselves (laughs) grasping aversion ignorance uh, come out of clinging, uh, clinging that comes out of craving, that comes out of ultimately ignorance and uh, restlessness and uh, ahamkara. So uh, ignorance, tenth fetter, restlessness, vibratory polarity, duality, shakiness, metaphysical shakiness, metaphysical shake, uh, ninth fetter, and conceit, tanamanas, tanamana, very much related to manas, uh, eighth fetter conceit or the basic subjectivity sense of identity gives rise by that just that just a sense of subjective agency i am a me and i'm not you i'm not that and so tat you know tatva masi uh what i am that or nisargadatta wrote a book i am that 
is very different and, and is basically the um, destruction of subjectivity because it doesn't mean I am that and not this or I am and I am not that or I am that and not, not this or I'm this and not that. It's I is. <laughs> he should have written it. It should have been translated as I is that, not I am that. <clears throat> but nobody listens to me or only a few. It should have been properly translated to I is that <laughs> or I is this, we would say in Buddhism. Uh, I is uh, such. Yes, okay, that's good. I would take that one. I is tat. Tatva uh, masi. I guess that we could say that, in fact, oh, I see. He didn't say I am that. He said I am such. Oh, oh. Very good. It should be I is such, folks. But tatva masi, if that means uh, translated as I am that, it's not I am that. It's I am such. I am tat. Tatagata tat. Not I, Scott. I is tat. That's what it should be. I is tat. I is such. There we have the right title. I is such, not I am that. You can get, let me know when you talk to the publisher. So, uh, he who practices this dharana of pranavayu or, or achieves um, steady pranavayu and steady mind and improved or perfected upward spiraling light, anyone he would, he said, find the whole world within himself. And that's, again, there's no more I be mine when the outer is inner. And that's exactly what I meant by saying the scene is the seer. Not, the, not just, we can say the seer is the scene. You meaning, I am that out there, because I am everything. But actually, that out there is me. <laughs> because it isn't out there, uh, I is such. That's exactly what, what Nisargadatta meant, I believe. I is such. Not I am that. I is such. Take that to the bank. And he said one-minded, meaning the mind of non-dual, um, which is buddhic, not monastic. One-minded, one can be eternally liberated. And that's where we're going. The union of Jivatman and Paramatman um, <laughs> singing with the guardians shaking our heads about this octave. Uh, it's only the middle densities that are weird here, by the way. It's just three, four, five. One and two are quiet, and six and seven are effulgent. Uh, but three, four, five is kind of a mess. Uh, at least, <laughs> and this is the center point of it on planet Earth. And so this is uh, the, um, you know, the uh, high, high watermark of distortion in the solar system, and maybe not in the solar system. Perhaps you would say there was more distortion on Mars and Maldek, actually. But it's certainly, this solar system is uh, akin to the high watermark of distortion in this sector, if not the entire galaxy. And so this is the time, or this time on Earth now, the end of third density, could be called the high watermark for the um, proliferation, the uh, infection of distortion that infects these peoples. So a high watermark in quantity, quality, pervasion, and, and depth and breadth of distortion that, that has been experienced on this planet ever. And um, comparable to the end times of Mars and Maldek in some ways, uh, but this solar system is a real, um, it's a real piece of work. <laughs> this Logos uh, is muchly commended by other Logoi, by the way. The other Logoi look at this Logoi and say, well done, well done. <laughs> rich, rich catalyst and a very vivid Mayak illusion. Okay, uh, look at that, the time is run. So, um... Let me see if I can find a couple of little beautiful comments uh, or beautiful <laughs> verses to make mm, some decent comment on. Um, 
in the head the world must be one with the self. Uh, Buddhi should be like water on the oven, so too should faith be always awake. The jiva, the soul, which is really mind-body-spirit complex, not yet Atman. The jiva is ever eager for the moment of its attainment of the ambrosial yana, meaning gnosis and awakening. Uh, you know what? Maybe I will... Maybe what I will do next time, since this is such a wonderful collection of verses, um, and I think, you know, we, we really can wrap this uh, Chittakash Gita up in the next couple of months. It's uh, This style is very nice. So I think next time I will set myself the task to um, finish the commentary on these eight pages or so, 69 to 77, and uh, finish that next week. Then, after that, start part three on page 81, and probably um, choose a division, maybe break it into thirds, and then one week reading commentary, or two weeks of that, and then the next, and then the next of the two thirds of the final third three portions of part three. So I think we'll do it that way, and um, it it will certainly be uh, wrapped up in the next few months. And so, not that you wanted to wrap it up, but um, this is still time and space, and so there. It's important to be timely, <laughs> to keep things moving efficiently. I think he would agree. So anyway, I think it's beautiful teaching here. And and, and really, I do think that part two it seems to be a, a little bit of a, of a notch up from part one in that um, there's some very solid metaphysics, very intricately explained, actually. And this is a little bit like... Um, um, give little little snippets of a seminar, more than um, selective, uh, personally related guidance to devotees in the room. This is not like that, which was more so in the first part, it seems. So anyway, I hope you could enjoy this. I think it's really beautiful, and um, I appreciate all those that made it happen. Uh, thank you, everyone, for your help. Please take good care of yourselves. See you next time, and good night. <laughs>